This is the third Sunday of Advent, which is dedicated to joy. So when I think about joy uh, lately, I think about my father-in-law, Charles Hutter, who I, I've mentioned mentioned a few times already. He's on my mind uh, this Sunday. Um, joy was his wife's name. Uh, and Joy required a lot of care in her later years, having given much to seven children and many others. So Charles was especially devoted and attentive to Joy in the years before she died. He's 89 now, and since having a stroke last year, lives in a care facility in Western Michigan. Life really is not easy when you're, you're a big man. He's a, he's a big guy and, and you only have the use of one side of your body. So you need help transferring from bed to wheelchair and back. Uh, Charles tested positive for COVID just before getting the booster. Uh, he, he recovered, thank God. But every time I visit him, I, I come away with a feeling of joy that I catch from him. So he's, um, I've mentioned before, he's, uh, I love my father-in-law. I got a crush on my father-in-law. What can I say? He's a retired English professor who grew up in fundamentalism. When I say grew up in fundamentalism, I mean he married the daughter of the president of Moody Bible Institute. So uh, that's like deep into it. And then he slid down the slippery slope and he landed as an affirming Episcopalian. So his joy moments often come when he's quoting a poem, which happens in the natural course of conversation for Charles. Gerard Manley Hopkins is one of his favorites. Or uh, he'll often quote the uh, words of a hymn. Uh, so I I've seen it so many times. His face flushes, his eyes mist up. And then when he hits the line in the poem or the hymn that moves him, it's like a spring shower with the sun shining as he arrives at the border between laughter and tears. It all passes very quickly and he's on to a, another topic. So if you ask Charles what joy is, he'd, he'd probably answer as the C.S. Lewis scholar that he is. Lewis was a 20th century Oxford professor, famous for the uh, Chronicles of Narnia children's books. Um, Charles, like Lewis, uh, would be quick to distinguish between happiness, pleasure, and joy. That joy is not the same as happiness. And, Joy is not the same as pleasure, it's its own thing. Um, he would also understand joy as a mystical thing, something that visits us in this world from beyond this world. He, he would see joy as a manifestation of a benevolent higher power. Joy was there in the beginning and is a thing waiting for us as Julian of Norwich, the 14th century mystic who was writing during time, a time of pandemic. Um, she's most famous for the saying or the prayer, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Actually, C.S. Lewis, late in life, married a woman named Joy, just like uh, Charles Hutter. So these, these distinctions that C.S. Lewis made, I don't know, I don't know. I, is it joy? Yeah, joy is different than pleasure, I, I get that. Joy is different than happiness, I don't know. Um, do th things really come in separate containers like that? Um, I guess for scholars they do, but I, I can't tell the difference between joy and happiness. But the intuition that there's something special about joy, that it's a hint from the universe about things far beyond us, that it's a, 
possibly a mystical thing. Uh, that I can see on my father-in-law's face, and, and I find it pretty compelling. So in ancient Judaism, which Jesus and his earliest followers were part of, before something called Christianity insists on, on being its own separate thing, joy is the distinctive mark of the spirit. So there's a special relationship or connection between the spirit in Hebrew thought and joy. It's like along with love, joy is the most enduring and reliable trait of divine presence. So Paul, whose writings actually precede the Gospels in, by, at least by a few decades, he's the, like the earliest written uh, witness we have, expressed this um, ancient tradition when he wrote, uh, this is in um, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, not control of others, mind you, but self-control. So the, the word in the original Greek for fruit, uh, karpos, is singular. And there's a, there's a plural word available, but the singular word was chosen as if um, you know, fruit forms a single unit that's composed of these various aspects that are listed. So love and joy are like the co-leaders on a list. Um, I bring up this text not to break into, I've got joy, 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 joy down on my heart, which I think is Emily Swan's favorite song from childhood. Um, Janine can confirm that. But to say uh, joy as a manifestation of spirit reflects the mystical understanding of joy. That's a hallmark of ancient Judaism, and, and I'm guessing other, other traditions as well. You know, like religious people are known by their scowls, holy people are known by their smiles. So we, we probably have a vestige of this in the Advent wreath, um, where week three is uh, the joy candle in, in my uh, Advent wreath here, pretty awesome, eh? The, uh, the joy candle is distinguished by a different color to signify there, there's something special about joy because joy signifies something um, about the universe. So the main words for joy appear like 400 times in the Hebrew Bible. Um, Hebraic thought is concrete, not abstract. So it's earthy and it's mystical, it's practical, and, uh, and it's sublime at the same time. So just to summarize the range of joy that we find in the, in the Hebrew Bible reflected in the New Testament, um, though joy is associated with God very closely, uh, one of the Psalms says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Uh, and joy is this distinctive uh, characteristic mark of the spirit. In our experience, joy is uh, ephemeral, it's inconstant, it's, it's like the weather, it's, sometimes it's like sunshine in Michigan. Uh, there's a proverb that goes, even in laughter, the heart may ache and joy may turn to grief. I, I think there are more psalms expressing absence of joy, uh, psalms of lament, than presence of joy. I'm not sure about that, but they're at least equal. So Jesus, along with many others in ancient Judaism, associates joy with the world to come. Here's an example of this from the prophet Isaiah. For in joy you shall go out, this is uh, chapter 55, for in joy you shall go out 
and in peace you shall be led. The mountains and hills shall burst forth in glad song before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. So rejoicing, feasting, dancing, sitting under one's own fig tree, olive oil and wine in abundance is what's happening in the age to come. Another way to say it, even if joy is not in our present, it's definitely in our future. But in the world of the age to come in Jewish thought, there's always like a present um, manifestation of that, as though joy is rushing from the future into our present. So joy has a paradoxical dimension. It, it can come even in moments of affliction. Uh, Hebrews says that, uh, the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. So I, I understand this as Jesus in a time of affliction, having a mystical sense of joy from the future, rushing toward him as like a strengthening uh, presence in his time of affliction. Another example of uh, joy as a mystical thing in our statement, um, the sta statement that Emily opened us with, there was something about um, uh, we're part of um, part of the oneness of all creation. This is like a, a mystical construal of the world around us. And you see that in the, in the Psalms, all created things in the Psalms participate in joy. So the Psalms are littered with images like this, like let the rivers clap their hands, like, wow, water clapping its hand, that's pretty awesome. Um, let the mountains sing gladly. The sea creatures and the great Leviathan, God fashioned to play with, all lines from the Psalms. Now, you know, we could say that every living thing, from uh, fungus strands that surround and connect the roots of trees to the chemical electrical transmission between nerve cells in our bodies, is marked by a kind of joyful exuberance. So it's like molecules in constant motion and composed of atoms in constant interaction. Um, so it, on any given day or any given hour, sometimes for entire seasons, we lose touch with the joyful exuberance. But at the cellular level, it's, it's happening. So if joy does uh, signify something about ultimate reality, as my father-in-law believes and practices, then um, we could seek to be extra attentive to joy, especially when just bad stuff is happening all around us as it is. We, we can, that's when we need to pay attention to joy the most. Uh, we can notice uh, moments of joy um, in ourselves when it happens to us, um, in others, uh, in puppies, in birds, in trees, in children, uh, on NPR. I listened to NPR, surprise, surprise. I heard people who take um, smartphone pictures of their food actually enjoy it more. I don't, I don't know how you figure that out, but somebody studied it, um, that, that the act of taking a picture of your food helps you to enjoy it more because it's like an act of noticing. Um, the other day I, I, uh, I was fixing some lunch and I, I, dropped a, I dropped a raw egg and I was just so impressed with myself. My, my feet went together and I caught the egg on my, on my shoes. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, that's, 
that's a moment. And I, I took out my smartphone and I took a picture of the egg on my, uh, on my nestled in my, the mesh of my athletic shoes. And I think I posted it on Facebook or something. And uh, the act of taking the picture and noticing it and posting it, it just like, wow, that was definitely the highlight of my morning, I think last Tuesday or when it, whenever. One of my favorite books uh, is this one, The Book of the Lights by Ross Gay from the University of Indiana. I wonder if David Wilde has ever met Ross Gay. Anyway, um, after the 2016 election, he was downcast, so he assigned himself to notice a moment of the light every day for a year and write a short little essay about it. So it's it's an audio book too. I've, I've read this book twice. I'm, I'm gonna read it again for Advent at bedtime because it, it just tunes me into daily delights. So noticing moments of joy is a kind of um, way to practice joy and noticing in order to linger over these moments of joy, like to take them in when they're happening you know, name that, oh, wow, this is a, this is, what a great moment. Um, if I can mention a moment of delight to someone else, uh, so much the better. So when the joy fairy goes into hiding for a spell, we can call to mind even a moment of delight from an earlier time. So wrapping up, um, I have a friend, I'll assign him the name Fred for this, uh, report here. So Fred, like uh, Charles Hutter and like C.S. Lewis, has a partner whose actual name is Joy. So Fred and Joy were facing a challenging situation together and um, Fred was talking to his sister about it, like what to do, what's the best approach. His sister, uh, knowing Fred's area of expertise and wisdom and Joy's areas of expertise and wisdom said to him, what's the problem? Just trust joy. And this came to Fred like a new insight. And he thought, well, yeah, why didn't I think of that? That makes perfect sense. When I, when I heard this story, um, I thought that's deep. I mean, just trust joy. When I see the look that comes over my father-in-law's face, when I, I feel it in myself from time to time, or in a dry season, I even remember that such a thing exists. And whether it seems nearby or far away, it is awaiting us. I can learn to relax into it, to just trust joy. Because joy is signifying something, um, as the prayer of Julian of Norwich says that all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. So we'll take a couple of minutes now for a little, uh, you know, guided reflection, meditation. If you'd like, you can get comfortable wherever you're seated and maybe relax uh, to begin with a few slow, deep breaths in through the nose to slow things down and then out through the mouth. Let's go ahead with a few deep breaths.
And I'd like to suggest that you just identify a small thing that happened recently in the last week, maybe, uh, that might qualify as, as a delight, as a small joy. Uh, I, I'd say the smaller, the better. So not like a bada boom, bada bing, big thing, but just a, one of those subtle, small moments of joy. Uh, for me, what comes to mind is during the meet and greet last Sunday, uh, little George piped up to say hello to his little buddy, AJ. And I don't know, for some reason, that was just so awesome. Um, they had a little back and forth on the meet and greet. So something small like that, uh, an interaction, and noticing a bird, a plant, a song. Let's just take about a half minute to simply identify uh, a moment like that. And now just over the next minute, uh, keep your relaxed breathing going and just give your attention to that moment once again. Fill in the picture in your mind's eye and notice the feeling that comes along with it. So go ahead for a minute. And I'll close with that prayer from Julian of Norwich for us. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. <laughs>